Politically, 2016 was a year of big decisions, an extraordinary 12 months. But this is the year when those decisions will begin to evolve into concrete change. And evolve is the key word here, because right now there are very few certainties. But what might we see? Dr Margaret Heffernan is a BBC producer turned international businesswoman, management thinker and author. She's known for her acute observations on the big issues like talent, innovation and the role of leaders. So what does she think 2017 might bring? I think probably the most significant change that we're in a position to understand, strangely enough, refers back to an earlier book of mine, Willful Blindness, you know, which is how was it that the sea change that was expressed through Brexit, through Trump's election, how is it that we didn't notice that? How were we blind to the seismic changes that were going on? It's a fair point, and it's being much discussed why the pollsters, the press and great swathes of the population both here and in the States just didn't see Brexit or Trump coming. I think that we have been guilty of sticking within our tribes and listening to the people who agreed with us. I think in terms of diversity, we've done poorly in terms of not talking to people different from us, different ages, different backgrounds, different attitudes. One of the big arguments in willful blindness is that we're not prepared to have arguments. And we need to be prepared and have a language to have debate that isn't personal, that isn't ugly, where we can discuss ideas and find better solutions. So looking ahead to this year, in that context, what Mm. are the key issues for organisations? What should they be having those conversations about? Well, you know, I think We have got, finally, 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 to take diversity seriously and recognise that homogenous organisations are doomed to be blindsided. Laura Harrison is the CIPD's People and Strategy Director, and she's been thinking about what these global political changes might mean for HR. Last year was a momentous year, but really that's only the beginning of significant change, isn't it? So we've had the shock of the... Uh, results of Brexit, of the US election and so on. But in terms of how they're actually going to play out, I think we're quite some time from knowing. I suppose the implications of that for HR in organisations start, I think, with recognising where people are when they're coming to work. That lack of certainty, there is no doubt it breeds anxiety. And it would be an amazing individual who's able to leave that anxiety at the door when they go to work and concentrated on their work 100% heart and mind without that. We've talked a lot in HR about helping people build their resilience and their response to change. And if ever that was important, it's now. But I suppose it's also about asking ourselves what we can do to help to reduce some of that uncertainty and anxiety. And the best way to pull this off? Talk openly about your strategies, about your plans. Listen to your workforce and understand where they are. Try and reduce any level of uncertainty that you can, even if it's only about the organisation's direction, because there's only so much ambiguity that we can cope with. I mean, as you say, we're all thinking about what Britain's going to look like when Brexit plays out. For EU workers here now, I mean, obviously, they, and there's lots of them. Yeah. Clearly, they have very real uncertainty, don't they? Yeah, it's huge. And obviously, it's not just for them. It's for the teams that they work with. It's for their managers, their colleagues. 
what we've done actually in the CIPD ourselves as an employer, because of course we have a number of EU workers here, is um, find different ways that we can to support them. So again, there is uncertainty, but what we can at least do is bring in an immigration lawyer, for example, to talk about what their options might be. We've had some sessions where we've got everyone together so they can just talk openly about how they're feeling and share any experiences that they've had. There are things we can't solve, but let's look at the things that we do have some control over and try and do what we can. Margaret Heffernan agrees that open communication in our organisations goes to the heart of healing those divisions in our society. I think we have to start thinking much more seriously about a climate of safety in which people are allowed to articulate what may be difficult or unconventional or awkward ideas, because we have to be prepared to discuss them and hear them. I think um, leaders need to smash out of the bubbles in which they are put and sometimes in which they put themselves. And I think that real leaders are going to be the people who are prepared to speak up and who are also prepared to listen. Thinking about diversity, that's something we've been talking about for a very long time. Yeah. The conversations we've had in the podcast series in recent months have played into the thought that we've concentrated on certain aspects of diversity, mm. maybe the easier bits, gender. Well, well they can't be that easy because we sure took a long time. <laughs> haven't done them very well, <laughs> no. but anyway. Mm. So other areas, less obvious perhaps areas like socioeconomic diversity, have not had such recognition. Yep. So listen to what you're saying there about that's playing into the outcomes we saw politically last year. Mm -hmm. Is that something that needs to be discussed more widely in organisations? You don't hear a lot about that. Well, I think it is a kind of diversity we need to be thinking about more deeply. I guess I come at this from a position which some people may find too radical to stomach, which is, is there such a thing as talent at all? What did she say? Is there such a thing as talent at all? Okay, so we heard that right. I think we certainly have been guilty of thinking that talent looks a particular way or behaves a particular way, um, ways which conveniently we can measure. And I have a really big nagging question in my head, which is really, do we... Do we really understand what talent looks like, sounds like, acts like? Is the idea even helpful? I mean, we know, for example, that social connectedness is a better indicator or predictor of professional success than IQ. We know that academic success is no indicator of professional success. So when you take those things into account and you think how we hire people... We're hiring people for a sort of identikit that could be completely wrong. And a true story about some chickens explains this. Margaret calls it the super chicken thesis. Well, this is uh, work done by an evolutionary biologist who looked at what happens to an average flock of averagely productive chickens over six generations compared to a flock that is constructed of the individually most productive chickens over six generations. And what happens is the average flock just gets better and better over time, which is exactly what happens to teams. And the flock of super chickens or high potential chickens, if you like, after six generations, all but three are dead. Do they kill each other? Yeah. And the conclusion that was drawn was 
the productivity of the few has been achieved by suppressing the productivity of the rest. I mean, there's a real lesson there. There is a real lesson there. And, you know, and most people I tell the story to absolutely see corporate politics implicit in the story. So maybe we have to at least get rid of that and think about what, if anything, replaces it. I mean, I think this is a very, you know, philosophically and operationally a very, very difficult challenge. But I'm reminded of a company based in Cleveland, which when it, you know, it like any startup had its kind of, you know, big moment of success. The owner didn't have the money to hire all sorts of super trained people and instead chose to hire pretty much anybody who'd walked through the door, which turned out to be primarily Hispanics and Latinos who had not graduated high school. And the CEO brought in um, literacy and numeracy teachers who operated classrooms in working hours. And the entire very successful business was based on the back of this. Now, I think that's a real challenge. That's saying, really, you could hire anybody. It depends what you do with them. and, And it depends on what you do with them. So it's not about them, it's about you, the organization. And it's, yeah, and how supportive are you? Are you prepared to invest in people? Because if you want them ready-made, where are they going to come from? And anyway, what you need now is not going to be the same as what you need in the future. So if you hire what you need now, what confidence do you have that this horse is going to turn into a car? It's very unusual evolutionary sequence, (laughs) right? So actually what you need to do is you have to find people who just love learning and who embrace change. And then you have to provide them with, you know, the tools and structures and so on that they need. Everything we have taken for granted is up for grabs. This has serious implications for L&D practitioners as they become ever more central to organisational success. Laura Overton is founder and CEO of Beyond Maturity, which provides independent research to help organisations improve their performance through learning. She was recently voted number one in the top 10 most influential people in corporate e-learning in the UK. Oh, and the third most influential on the planet. She's in no doubt that the events of 2016 will have a huge impact on L&D. There are so many seismic changes that have been happening. You know, we, we've been talking about the apprenticeship levy, we talk about Brexit, we talk about the kind of the political atmosphere in the country at the moment. And I think working in the learning and development profession, there's been a real sense of things need to change. I think there's been a kind of an awakening in 2016 about, you know, what is our role? What is our function? What can we add back to business? So we're certainly seeing through the towards maturity research is that um, learning professionals are no longer just thinking about how can I transform the way I do my courses, but they really feel that they ought to have a role in the way that organizations learn at the most fundamental level. The the extent to which... uh, Individuals learn from each other, share knowledge, share information. Learning professionals believe that we really do have a strong role to play in integrating learning into the workflow, getting closer to supporting individuals to be able to respond rapidly to change. And you can't just do that with traditional courses. So there's a definitely, we're leaving 2016 with a real sense 
in the profession that there is something more that we can be adding. But at times of high risk, we can all be tempted to retreat to a safe place. And that goes for the HR profession too. With all of the pace of change, in fact, going into 2017, that's one of the biggest challenges that learning professionals are kind of flagging, is that things are moving so quickly. And I think that possibly people are reverting maybe to what they know. And there's a sense of whilst they know there's so much potential out there, curation, technology, the digitization of business, of work, of learning, we're kind of retreating a little bit. And there's a real danger in 2017 is that we are going to be um, sitting there too nervous to move forward, too nervous to take a risk, too nervous to try something new and fresh, even though it's really being demanded of our profession more is being demanded of our profession now than ever before. So I think there's a sense of that. We, there's a maybe possibly facing the with a tiny little bit of trepidation. America has long been a big influence on the UK, from pop culture to food and corporate culture, where America has led, we've usually followed. But will the arrival of a divisive new president undermine that long-standing cultural connection? And if it does, might we start to look elsewhere for inspiration? Is there a sense, do you think, that if Britain feels slightly less culturally aligned or perhaps less loved by the States, we start to look elsewhere? Will that diminish that idea that where America leads, we follow? I suppose the best thing that we can do is look as widely as possible for inspiration about what's the best nation we can become, what's the best business we can become. And what I wouldn't exclude from that is looking to our own legacy. The UK moved forward the abolition of slavery. It did that not because... There was a business case. It did it because it was the right thing to do. So I would be really concerned if I felt that recent political developments mean that we would move backwards in terms of equality because equality stems from a basic human right. And if we start to erode that, you know, that's a real race to the bottom. And I'm not sure who wants to be part of that. Yes. And the whole dangers of groupthink kind of reasserting itself just yeah. when we spent, you know, a lot of years working towards avoiding it. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of talk in the media now about echo chambers, you know. We all have to get outside of our echo chambers and talk to people who aren't like us. And work gives us the opportunity to do that in a way that perhaps other institutions don't. So we tend to live amongst our own kind, but we work with really diverse workforces. So, you know, make the most of that because that's what helps us develop as human beings. And as you say, we, we you know, us, the media one tends to get into conversations that are very negative about the looking forward. But as you say, that is a real opportunity to have conversations at work that perhaps you haven't had before and that might not have been felt to be appropriate conversations because we're all having to recognise that people have very different opinions to perhaps what we thought before. Yeah, precisely. And I mean, whether... You know, you may have been shocked in a positive or a negative way by Brexit, for example. You may have been absolutely delighted but shocked, or you may have been absolutely horrified but shocked. But either way, hopefully shock inspires us to learn. And if we've learned anything um, from the Brexit debate, it's that there's a risk of a very polarised country. And we all have a role to play in that not being the future. And I think in our organisations, our, our opportunity is to... Is to get to understand each other better, understand each other's talents, creativity, potential, you know, that's what's going to lead to a more positive future, I think. I mean, could all this be a trigger for a real creative burst in the UK? I think it has to be. On every level? On every level, about how we identify with ourselves, how we see ourselves, about how we work together, about the, the vision that we have for the future. 
If Laura Overton has one piece of advice for 2017, it's this. Trust your gut. Oh, they should just start with their gut instinct. Why are we in this profession? Because we love to deliver value. We've been talking to so many learning professionals over the last few months about, you know, what value do you want to bring? And we know instinctively that people want to help individuals fulfill their potential, help businesses to fulfill their potential. You know, as learning professionals, there's a real hunger to do that. And I think that if we are just open about that, and we actually start to have the conversation with business leaders. You know, what can I do for you this year that will help you achieve what you need to achieve better? I think we'll probably find that there's a lot more that will come from that conversation. Now, I know that a lot of learning leaders are frustrated in business right now because they're saying that their business leaders just want them to provide a course. And I think if there was a second step they could take is to maybe get jammed up on what's the evidence out there? Well, how can you actually look and see what others are doing? Look at some of the benchmarking evidence. Use that to maybe bring an alternative position. A year to be bold. Absolutely. It has to be a year to be bold, definitely. Next month, behavioural science and how it plays into business performance with need-to-know insights on getting the best from your people in 2017. Happy New Year.